came from page 1173, uh, the beginning of Ephesians, so end of Galatians is this week. We're finishing off uh, a series that we last saw in March. There was one left over, and this seemed uh, a good time uh, to bring it to a conclusion. Paul is summarizing everything that he's said so far in Galatians, uh, and he kind of they didn't have, cap- everything was capitals in those days when they were writing, so he didn't really have a way of doing much by way of underlining, so he, he begins by saying, see what large letters I'm using. He'd have been using a secretary up to that point, uh, but now he's going to go into uh, his own writing. And so we come to the big letters of verses 11 through to 18. Well, you may remember that the young church in Galatia uh, Galatia, okay, think of Turkey, um, it's sort of ovalish, roughly, and the sort of middle band running north-south, that's uh, Galatia, uh, mostly to do with the south, this uh, letter probably. The young church in Galatia is being troubled by agitators. They aren't evangelizing the local population, they're coming into the existing church and trying to steal them, trying to persuade them to their own point of view. Yes, it's great, they're saying. You've discovered the Spirit of God, but uh, to complete the process of coming into God's people, you just need to get circumcised um, and keep the law of God. And at the end of his letter here, Paul has a go at them, a final go at them, and really points out there are four things that are wrong. Firstly, verse 12, they're concerned about outward show, about making a good impression. It's fundamentally self-centered. Secondly, still in verse 12, uh, they're, they're, they're afraid. You see, if, if you follow the law, then you would be Jewish. And the Jewish religion was allowed in the Roman Empire. Worship of a convicted criminal, a crucified convicted criminal, was not. So let's, uh, let's not get persecuted, let's just become Jewish. Thirdly, verse 13, They haven't followed their own logic. You can't keep a bit of the law, uh, you know, like circumcision or just the food laws or just the Sabbath. If you're going to go for the law that's laid down in the books of of the Bible, you've got to follow all of it, and no one's ever fully obeyed the law. Then fourthly, again in verse 13, uh, they, um, they want to boast about the flesh of the Galatians. It's like having notches on their Bibles. They're simply uh, looking to boast before others about what they've achieved and in your flesh. And then, having having said those things are wrong, Paul's going to go on in verses 14 to 16 to counter all that. I'm going to come on to it. But I first want to just go back in the history a little bit, back to his first trip to Galatia. In the first missionary journey, Paul had gone with Barnabas from Antioch, which is uh, on the um, uh, Syrian coast, around the region, uh, the the south of that Galatian band in Turkey, and he'd preached Jesus in the synagogues. Later, he went back to those churches and strengthened them with a message that came from church headquarters in Jerusalem. Keep following the Lord Jesus Christ and avoid idolatry. And now, 
he is writing to the churches of Galatia, and it's not surprising to see the overlap in verses 14 to 16 with what he'd said on his previous actual visits. Verse 14, I don't want to boast about what I've done. I I do want to have bragging rights, but they're not going to be about me, but they're going to be about the one I follow. If they, the agitators, are self-centered, I'm Christ-centered. And specifically, the message I have to bring has four things in it again. Firstly, this is verses 14 through to 16. Firstly, it's about the cross. And that's what it was about when I came to you in the first place, he says. Well, that's what he means, because that was the heart of it, the cross. Secondly, verse 14. This is about the Jesus Christ who has been made Lord. He was raised to show who he is. Not another dead criminal, but the Lord over death, and therefore the Lord of heaven and earth. Thirdly, verse 15. It's about a new creation. Uh, uh, Paul and Barnabas, on their journeys, had worked miracles by the Holy Spirit of Jesus. And that was all an illustration that there is new life. And then fourthly, in verse 16, it's all in fulfillment of God's ancient promises. It's those who now follow the way of Jesus who've become the full inheritors of the promise so that they are the Israel of God. Well, so far, so good. I think that if you've managed to stay awake through that, All that should make some kind of sense. There is, however, one small problem. It's 2,000 years later. The sun is shining. It's a bank holiday morning. And I'd like to ask you a question. Would you please put your hand in the air? I'm very serious about this. If you came to church this morning with this one burning question in your mind, but Alan, what are we going to do about circumcision? (laughs) I'm so disappointed. It is a non-issue. For six chapters, Paul has been addressing the questions thrown up by a group of agitators wanting the early church to follow the Jewish way of life, including circumcision. Now, along the way, as he's addressed this issue that was massively important to the church in his day, as he's prepared a kind of feast of argument, we're like the woman who once came to Jesus and argued with him. We've had the crumbs in Galatians that have fallen from the table because we don't have many concerns about circumcision. As we've gone through Galatians, there's been a useful point here, a helpful thought there, a message to appreciate somewhere else. But at the heart of it has always been this argument about circumcision. And none of us today will be with family and friends or back at work on Tuesday with circumcision at the top of our minds. And actually, I want to suggest to you that that very fact is something we can use. You see, Paul set off for Galatia when he went off onto his journey with just a few things clear in his head about what God had done in the event of Jesus Christ. And he went first to the synagogues to tell, it was the obvious place to tell the news. But he held on to those same few things 
throughout his life, whatever the circumstances, whether it was the first trip to Galatia, second trip, writing to them, or, or with the other churches, whatever the situation in he encountered, he brought to bear the same few things. And that, it seems to me, as we finish Galatians, is the real point. In the record of Paul's encounters, we have been given all we need to encounter the world that has actually got a thousand different issues. And the world that one of us faces is different completely from the world another of us faces. Yes, circumcision was their issue, it's not ours. But what we take from Paul is the process by which he got from what he knew of Jesus to applying it to the issues going on in his world because it's the process that we need to follow ourselves. See, I quite often meet someone, maybe one of you, who says to me something like this, Alan, I just don't feel I know what to say to other people. Can't you just give me some simple basics that I can use? Things that will be relevant to my own situation and, and my situation with my friends. And what I'm going to say to you today is, no, I can't. I can't. I can't because I don't need to, and I don't need to because this passage tells you every single thing you need to know. It turns out that it's the very irrelevance of the Galatian story that's relevant to us because we don't fundamentally need to learn everything we could possibly imagine about circumcision. Fundamentally, we don't need to know the answer to suffering and evil and other religions and human sexuality and the other chapters that keep getting written in the book that is written for every new generation to have the answers when you talk to your your non-Christian friends about Jesus. We need only a very few things. And Paul helpfully tells us what they are. I'm going to illustrate them uh, with some tools because I want us to have a basic toolkit. But you have to be careful and not push too far the whole, oh, this tool fits this point. The point is just to get a sense that it is a toolkit. First, the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was crucified. That's a simple fact of narrative. It's there in verse 14. And we have independent records of it, not only from Scripture. And if you have that as your basic fact, then meaning about that fact has to come from somewhere. We don't need to rush in to say, first of all, Jesus was crucified for your sins. That's too much meaning, probably too quickly, especially if the person you're talking to doesn't know anything about sin, and probably doesn't think that they're a sinner. There is a brute fact of history to tell. A gospel record to commend. So what we say is, well, why not just read the story and ask, what would make people do that to that man? Secondly, It is the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his first trip to Galatia, Paul lays great emphasis 
on the fact that Jesus was raised on high by God and that he will never cease to be the risen Lord. If Jesus is risen, then he is risen over death itself and thus over everything that makes death fearful. And interestingly, in Paul's argument, that's where sin comes in. Fundamentally, he's Lord over death. And there is no one that we talk to today who won't die. Death is much more of an issue in our circles than sin is. So let's remember that Jesus is raised as Lord over death. And yes, if you want to go further, it's sin that makes death fearful. Because every, every moment of our life, we're aware of little deaths. Because life isn't what it should be. Thirdly, you've got to be careful with this one. There is a new creation. Now, you can't, from a toolkit, get a new creation. You can cover some things up. But it's the new creation we need to remember. It's the, the newer element. You, don't go, you can't go back to Acts and see Paul talking much about the new creation or hear him talking much about the new creation, but he talks about it here. Verse 15. Born, no doubt, on, of reflection on those miracles of new life that happened as he and Barnabas were walking around Galatia. And in verse 15, what he's really saying is circumcision, schmircumcision, what Matt counts is a new creation. When we are new made, newborn from the spirit of Jesus Christ himself, the old categories of what we belonged to fade away. It's not that they're bad, it's just that they're not relevant. And I suspect this is perhaps the one that demands the most of us. Perhaps we sometimes hope for more information because we want shortcuts. And it's hard because this is the one that has verse 14b attached. May never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. At the cross of Jesus, the world was judged. The world can no longer therefore have any hold on me. When you find yourself asking, tell me what I need so that I can talk to my friends, just ask yourself if you can say with Paul that the world no longer has any hold on you. Then, my brother, my sister, you will be an evangelist. Paul says the other, other way round, too. I have been crucified to the world. The only life for me now is the life of the one who was raised from death. I will be able to speak of Jesus, not because I know more, but because I am facing the daily challenge to live so that the only life for me is the life of the one raised. Finally, you can do What's needed? You can experience God's peace and mercy there in verse 16 because you are the ones who inherit the promises. You can drill down deep into the ancient promises of God. 
God who's been faithful for all eternity, and know that they are for you, that you are part of the Israel of God, that you're not a sort of flash in the pan that's going to get forgotten tomorrow. But God has included you, me, us, in in the plans that he made from before the creation. And you just, uh, life is therefore just a drilling down and finding more and more of that ancient promise. Four tools. The cross, Jesus as Lord, a new creation, and a confidence in God's faithfulness from eternity. Paul has taken those four elements that he, he grasped and he's applied them to the Galatians' lives in their terms. It's four elements, but they are not just blurted out. Paul has understood the lives of those he's connecting with. Circumcision is irrelevant to us, but it was relevant to them. And your friends will have issues that are relevant to them. And it's your task to understand those lives. Just as much as we saw the the little um, clip, if you're going to work with two-year-olds, you have to know that they make a certain kind of mess, that their attention span is fairly short, and so on and so on. Tools only work if you understand the material with which you're working. And Paul spent time understanding. I cannot therefore give you shortcuts. And how we long for shortcuts. I can only say, learn the lives of those you're concerned for. Understand their priorities, what drives their life, what makes them tick. And then in prayer, meditate on the the four basic tools that you have been given to to be brought to bear on that life. They're the same ones. That's the point. Jesus is crucified. Jesus is Lord. There is a new creation, but God has always been faithful. That's how to manage what today's issue, whatever today's issues may be, demand of you. Community games, even. They ask us to enter into some kind of awareness of the life of the community and then to talk Jesus. Think of two of our mission partners who are here with us this morning. Who who have gone into the lives of groups of people in Ghana and Morocco and learned life that way. But here is the best bit of all. And also the scary bit. Did actually give me a chance to empty a toolbox. And if anyone needs about 20 Allen keys, I I do, do have some. But some of you think you need a great big toolbox with lots of tools inside. And actually, you don't. Some of you are actually hoping that you can put off actually speaking to anyone about Jesus because if only I could go to the church and they would give me a new kind of wrench or a new kind of screwdriver. You don't need them. We do need a sympathetic understanding of the underlying material, whatever that is. 
but you have what you need. And that's scary. Because it means you can't sit back saying, well, I'll wait until I've got some more tools. You have what you need. If you have the tools God gives you in his word, and that's why Paul comes back to these tools in his issues with the Galatians. Whatever the circumstances, those tools, those basic facts will be what matter in our engagement with the world. If you have the tools God has given you in his word, and if you have the Spirit of God making you a new creation, you are someone on whom the world no longer has a hold, and so there is no more to say. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you as those who have often found ourselves in situations and thought, well, if only I knew this, if only I understood that, if only I had more to say about something else. Lord God, you've given us the record, the record of a crucified Savior, the record of a risen Lord, the truth of a new creation from your spirit and a confidence in your ancient faithfulness. We pray that you would give us an understanding of the lives of those around us so that we may work with what we have been given to see new, new life arise in our own generation. Amen.